Hi everybody, you're listening to The Woke Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. It's so good to have you back on the Rope Podcast, Maya. Thank you. I'm at about 97% health. You have been not so well for the past few weeks. For the past few months, I would say. Yes, it's not been a good time. But we're back in the saddle now. Yep, back in the saddle and uh, getting to grips with a new listener question. Oh, exciting. I love those. So who sent us a question today, Maya? So today we have some listener mail from your underscore dapper underscore dom. So your dapper dom. And here is their question. Hi, Fox and Maya. Um, My question for the podcast is, how do you deal with envy in rope? Do you ever get envious of your peers? Why? And how do you deal with it? And to expand on that, do either of you ever get imposter syndrome okay very interesting maya and you're a psychologist right i am sometimes a psychologist yes so the topic of this question i suspect you're going to have quite a lot to say about well i think from a professional and a personal perspective i have some i have some thoughts and imposter syndrome i've uh, grappled with a lot uh, and probably still do but let's talk about envy first Okay, so first I'd like to state that different authors define emotion words differently. And in this household, we like both Carla McLaren and Bronnie Brown, for example. And either of them are welcome on the podcast anytime, by the way. So Carla, Bronnie, if you're listening, get in touch. Our people will talk to your people. It's going to be great. And they both have developed taxonomies of emotions, uh, but their models differ and they use the same words for different things. And that's only two people, but every other person potentially uses words like envy and jealousy to mean slightly different things. Let's remember there is no standards bureau for emotion words, Maya. Yeah, and you would think there was because of the whole dictionary thing, but turns out, no, turns out people don't use them in the same way. That was one of my great disappointments in life early on when I realized that there was no one source for definition of words and people actually use them differently. It kind of like ruined everything for me. <laughs> All right. So why are we interested in this concept anyway? Why, why are we interested in defining the word? So first of all, Maya, can you tell us how you would defy envy and how you would contrast it with jealousy, for instance? So there's lots of different ways, as you say. One way that you could use is jealousy being uh, unpleasant suspicion or apprehension of rivalship. Rivalship. What, What a word. Is it like battleship where we try to sink each other? Okay, I see what you're saying, but no. No, it's more about having that resentment, hostility towards someone who has something you don't. So that could be success, 
a trait. Um, it could be good rope handling. It could be um, perfect hands, good toe pointing, a social advantage, a material position, a relationship, lots of things. But the idea in this particular definition is that the other thing has the thing you want or is the thing you want, and so you're resentful of them. So that's jealousy in that definition. And envy there is the longing for someone else's advantages. And you can see a big um, overlap between them. So envy there is uh, a negative feeling of desire focused on someone who has something that you don't. And you can also use it as a verb, I envy you. Mm. Okay, so on my end, I have a slightly different definition for those words. Yeah. And for me, envy is something that involves you and one other person, whereas jealousy would be something that involves you and two other people. So that's a big way to differentiate for me, and the overlap is not as present. And so to give an example, envy would be, I wish I could tie a TK as fast as Kinoko does. So it boils down to a desire for an asset and potentially wanting to take it. Like there's this idea of grabbing something. Uh, I'm kind of think of like two young children playing and one of them has a red ball and the other one wants to grab the red ball because they want to have the red ball, but they also want the other kid to not have the red ball anymore, if that makes sense. So you would tie a TK as fast as Kanoko, but he wouldn't? Potentially, that could be part of envy. I think it's this mix of wanting to have the thing, but also sometimes wanting to remove it from other people and so to compare favorably to that one person as a result. Okay. And if you look at how the worst behaviors that can come out of envy, it would be rather than lifting yourself up, it would be doing things that damages other people to create this power differential in this way. So it could be like dragging some other rigors reputation in the mud, for instance. You're not making yourself any better, but you're trying to make the other person worse so that you will compare more favorably with them. And I think it's uh, it can be quite a dark emotion. And I suspect, even though I don't really know anything about this stuff, uh, that it can be quite deeply ingrained in us by evolution, this idea of competing for resources, for status in the tribe and trying to come out on top and so on. Okay, interesting, because I would say in more of the things I've read, envy is a much more neutral word than jealousy. So people are much happier to be described as envious than they are to be described as jealous. Yeah, I, I guess my take on envy is quite dark and I associate it with things like greed and being power hungry. All right, and then how do you differentiate jealousy? So jealousy for me is quite different. It would be more something that I worry that my rope bottom might drop me to tie with this more skilled rigger instead. And what it boils down to there for me is insecurity. So I'm projecting my feelings of inferiority on a person I care about's possible behaviors. I'm afraid someone will do something that will cause me to lose them because of this other person that I perceive as better than myself. Okay, okay. So I think if we think about the big picture here, what we're saying is that with envy, we're going to talk about it as something where it's a driver for some negative behaviors, potentially, whether the actual feeling is um, neutral or not. You're wanting something that someone else has, or you're um, wanting to make sure that you keep uh, an asset. 
Yeah, and on the more positive side of that same coin, it could, I think, also be a motivation to improve. It's not necessarily I want to drag down the other person. It could be, okay, this is an inspiration for me to lift myself up. Yeah, and typically I would see envy as having that connotation. But as we don't know how your dapadom describes it, de defines it himself, we're going to kind of give our listeners that slight mess of our definitions. I mean, I feel they're getting their money's worth on the psychology there. Yeah, so um, feel free to put your own definitions in the um, Instagram comments or the FetLife comments of what jealousy and envy are. But um, let's talk about then the kind of consequences. So, Fox, do you ever feel envious of our rope peers and why? I think as a rigger, you can always find someone who seems better at some aspect of rope than you are. And it could be someone with better technical skills someone who ties many hot models and put pictures all over their Instagram or FetLife, uh, someone with the most amazing, beautiful photos, you have no idea how they took them, someone who does incredible performances and you feel like you could never do that, someone who's just maybe rope famous and you see they get a lot of attention and status and so on and so forth. And so my philosophy with regards to that is something I call look at your own plate, Maya. Okay, tell us about that, folks. So imagine you are at a wedding dinner and it's a buffet. So you can like get up from your table, you go to that other table that has all the food laid out and you get whatever you want and you put it on your plate. But as those things go, some dishes get emptied out really fast uh, and the nicer things might be like, gone by the time you get to that and there's that guy before you who get all the nice toasted cheese from the top of the lasagna and you're just left with the crummy tomato sauce at the bottom you know what i'm saying yeah okay uh and so in this case i would say when you get back to your table you're probably going to be happier if you just look at what's in your plate and enjoy it rather than if you look at the plates of your neighbors and say fuck that guy got the nice mushrooms and i didn't get any and that guy got the lobster I don't think it's helping you to be looking at other people's plates because that's not the food you're going to eat, is it? Okay. So I'm saying focus on your food. I actually have a poster on my wall that says enjoy the world within your own boundaries. So it's a similar concept, I think. Uh, yeah, and Brené Brown has this idea of swim in your own lane. So likewise, don't be obsessed with comparing yourself with your neighbor and just uh, enjoy your part of the world and the thing you're doing in the moment. So for me, how does that translate to rope? Well, it's focusing on the value I can create with my rope practice. And that is something like the good experiences I can build with my partners, um, taking photos that I like, uh, potentially making rope books. I'm currently working on my first rope book and I get a lot of pleasure of creating that and also making this podcast with you, Maya. Uh, and that doesn't mean, even though you try not to compare, that you can't have a detached appreciation for the beautiful work of others. But I try to make it an appreciation without comparison. For example, I can go to a rope jam and I just watch people having fun in rope and I don't tie myself and that's okay. And in that situation... I am more of a neutral observer and it's a lot easier than to not compare. So if you're someone who struggles with uh, envy, dear listener, you can try that as a practice to like build up that muscle. That being said, sometimes it is easier said than done. And I don't want to give the impression that I'm perfect and that I can do this per technique perfectly because I'm certainly not and I certainly can't. 
We are humans and we slip back into old habits easily, but we can also get back on the horse when we do slip and remind ourselves of our values and how we want to live our lives, Maya. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. So Maya, what else can we do about envy? So I definitely feel envious at times. How does it pop up for you? How does it manifest in your uh, rope bottom life, this envy? I think um, a lot of it's to do with my body. So I have body issues like like many people. I'm uh, in my early 40s. I am reasonably curvy. Um, and I have health issues, as we've talked about in other episodes. And some days I would love to be tiny, skinny, young, in full health, be able to do circus tricks or do amazing splits or take pain like a badass. Um, usually it's momentary or short-lived, although there's definitely some people who can trigger it more than others, I find. But again, um, much like you, I focus on what I can do and the joy I do get in the ropes that I do. Um, and also there's something about remembering that there might be things I can do that others can't. So maybe others envy some things about me. Um, and the other thing I think is really important here is that we often compare our insides to other people's outsides. Oh, interesting. What does that mean? So when you look at a rope photo, you have no idea what the person's thinking or feeling or how long it took them or what's going on behind that photo. And actually, we have some stuff on that in the tying from rope photos, episode 67. So I'm not going to go into that too much. But even when you know people in person at your local community, you don't know all parts of them. You don't know the things that are inside them. And you're comparing what you do know about your own inner life to what you're seeing on their outside. Okay, so you don't know that they just spent 30 minutes crying in the bathroom before stepping to that suspension frame. Yeah, exactly. Or won't spend, you know, five weeks recovering or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, we have some overlap definitely in our answers. What, what, from a practical perspective, can we do about this feeling of envy? I think it can be helpful to start by analyzing it and trying to find out what specifically it is that we envy in that person. What is the trigger? Uh, because it's kind of a mirror we can use to reflect on a thing we feel is important. If I feel that I'm often envious of riggers that are very tall and handsome, maybe that means I'm someone who cares about physical appearance a lot. You're so tall and handsome. I'm not that tall, but thank you for thinking I'm handsome. Um, yeah, okay. No, I really agree with this. Like it, this idea of shining a light on yourself when you have the emotional stability and maturity and and i think this isn't every moment of the day but finding that moment to step back and analyze 
it, I think can be really perfect. Like, what do you long for? What inside you is your heart crying out for by envying this particular thing? Okay. And then does that mean we should try to develop that area once we've identified it? I think there's a real paradox. There's a paradox in terms of holding both the idea of acceptance. So accepting where you are now, accepting the positives, um, the things you can be grateful for, not beating yourself up for the things that you can't be like that you don't have because that's just heaping suffering on top of you. So the paradox is both acceptance and growth at the same time. So thinking about what is the one small step you can take in the direction of what your heart longs for. So if you long to be more handsome, well, okay, that's what is what does handsome mean? Thinking about that and thinking about what can you do about your appearance that makes you feel more handsome, makes you look more handsome to other people, understanding what other people think is handsome, looking at yourself and thinking, well, what are the parts of me that are handsome? Like this kind of um, breaking it down into smaller pieces, I think can be really helpful. Maya, do you think that sometimes society overimposes things to be envious of on us that don't actually match our values? So like, I might feel inappropriate in my physical appearance, but if I sit down with myself and think about it, I realize I don't really care about physical appearance, but it's all those people on the Instawebs that gave me that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And thinking about the inputs that you have is a really powerful and useful um, thing to do. Because if all you do all day is look at, um, you know, very thin people and you're more curvy, on Instagram, then maybe that's not a great input for you. Maybe diversify your social media output. Look at the people, the many people out there who are rock bottoming of different sizes. Um, So curating the inputs that you have, I think, can very much help. And also going from inside out. So we're looking at envy going from outside to in. So we're looking at the things outside us we're jealous of, we're envious of, and we're thinking about how we can change. But if you live something like a values-based life, um, then you're going from the inside, what is important to me, to out. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, we're first finding out what we truly care about and then try to behave in the world in a way that matches that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Easier said than done, but um, something to think about, I think. I think there is also, when you talk about the outside world, this concept of a scarcity mindset versus what they call an abundance mindset. Okay, can you speak more to that? Yeah, a scarcity mindset is this concept that there just isn't enough of whatever resource to go around. Rope bottoms, riggers, (laughs) rope, good people in rope, um, partners, whatever whatever it is. An abundance mindset says there's enough for everything, for everyone. There's enough. Um, And what's interesting is that sometimes our community might seem that way or sometimes even have that balance. But if you see it and it's real, and bear in mind at first it might not be, then maybe there's something you can do, like travel further for your rope or open yourself to different kinds of tying. Or as a rope bottom, you can help bottom for people who are practicing so that they can become better riggers. Okay, so it might be relevant to listen back to Rope Intentions, episode 129. And for instance, 
if you usually tie females erotically, but there's not many female bottoms around in your community at this time, maybe it would be interesting to be open to tying a male for practice as friends, for instance, would be a different kind of rope. But then you're going over that idea of scarcity and instead of laser focusing on the one thing, if you have more options, then you're reducing the scarcity, right? Yeah, and also preparing yourself for when the right person comes along. If you're not doing anything because you think, well, I can't tie anyone because um, there's nobody that I like, well, you're not going to get any better. And maybe the people who aren't tying with you are not tying with you because they're not out there, but because you're not a good fit for them right now. So what can you do to fit better? I, I spend the first year of my rope practice tying chairs and gym equipment, so I hear you there. Okay, Um so I think the other thing is to remember that the traits that people have um, come from different places. Okay. Some of them are real. So, you know, genetics might mean that someone is more flexible, healthy, flexible than you. Um, maybe there's a personality trait that the other person has. I mean, you're someone who's incredibly disciplined. Um and there are pros and cons of every strong personality trait. So the, the flip side of being very disciplined is that maybe you have less flexibility when you're focused on a particular thing. And I'm not saying that's you, um, but I'm just giving an example. I mean, you could say that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so every personality trait, maybe, maybe you don't want that trait. Maybe if you're a more chill person naturally, um, then you don't want to become single-minded because actually it would um, be a stressor for you. Uh, do you want to work every day on the skills, the rock-bottoming skills you have and give up your social life? Maybe the person that you're looking actually has done that. Okay, so you're seeing the external thing of, wow, she can do this amazing position, but what you can see is actually she has no friends because she does nothing but yoga eight hours a day every day. Okay, yeah, exactly. You don't know where all of that's come from, the work they put in, the energy they've come in. And it might not be the right fit for you is what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. P differences are okay. Diversity is wonderful and beautiful and something we should encourage. Not everyone trying to be the same thing when actually that's not the right fit for us. Okay, so that kind of loops us back to this idea of living with a value system and deciding what's important to you and focusing on that. And you can't have everything, right? Yeah, you can't have everything. You might be able to have different things at different times. So maybe you can aim to be really flexible by spending your whole life for six months practicing in the gym and doing yoga, but then you have to give up other things. But there's no way to have all the things at the same time, at least. That makes a lot of sense to me, Maya. And I hope your Dapper Dom will feel that we answered that part of his question satisfactorily. So what about the second part of his question about imposter syndrome and here i'm gonna let you talk a lot more because i don't think i've ever felt that you haven't no i don't think so like there's many issues i've had in life in all kinds of ways i have many downfalls but i don't think i ever felt imposter syndrome ever okay that's so fascinating that see that the podcast is shone a light on something i didn't even know um okay so then your answer to his question i guess is no you haven't felt it sorry no but I'm really interested to listen to the rest of the episode to find out what it is because it's not an experience I've ever connected with on a personal level. Okay. Um, so I wanted to differentiate between envy and imposter syndrome because with envy, you might actually have a good sense of what you do have. 
Um, and maybe it's just not as good as other people. So if you envy someone's um, rope handling skills, maybe you know that you're great at connective tying. Um, and so, so you envy the other thing, but you still can be quite confident of the things that you have. Yeah. Okay. That I echo with. I've definitely felt envy loads, but yeah, I always felt I knew where I stood and I had a reasonable estimate of where I stood, but sometimes I could see that that other person was much better at me than me at something. Mm-hmm. So imposter syndrome is a bit different. Um, and it's about a misperception between your own abilities. So it's not so much looking outwards to others. It's a disconnect between what you feel about yourself um, and maybe what others say about you. So maybe people say, oh, you know, you have great um, ability to hold a position in rope and you think you're terrible at it. Um, and, and it brings this very uncomfortable feeling of feeling like a fraud. So one day you'll get exposed um maybe you're doing everything you can to appear successful to the outside world but inside you're in this emotional turmoil of self-introspection constant doubt and it can cause a lot of anxiety and stress because you're trying to hide the fact that you think you're actually terrible at a thing does that mean there's a dissonance between what you feel on the inside and what the outside world is telling you about yourself Yeah, that's usually where it's coming from. And the better you do, the worse it is. So, you know, if you um, get a promotion at work, then you're going to feel it even more because you're going to think, well, any minute people are going to find out how terrible I am at my job. Sounds like it really sucks. Yeah, I would say as someone who perhaps um, echoes with this more, um, I think it's a, a really unpleasant feeling. So what can you do about it? So to help, you can get feedback. It's a hard thing to do if you have imposter syndrome, but you can listen properly to the feedback that others say about you. And that's both constructive feedback and positive feedback. So you'll find someone with imposter syndrome is much more likely to focus on the constructive feedback and consider it negative and almost dismiss any kind of positive feedback at all. So a negativity bias in the way you listen to feedback? Yeah, 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 about yourself. So capturing the positive feedback somewhere. So I have um, a praise file where I dump think nice things that people say about me so that if I go into a bit of a spiral of um, I'm a terrible whatever, I can have a look at it and um, remind myself if I'm feeling anxious, maybe actually there are some good things that I can bring to the world. Okay, so that's a really good reminder for me that I need to praise you when you're awesome at something because I need to kind of overcompensate for this imposter syndrome you might have sometimes. Yeah, it's linked often with perfectionism. Which you do have quite badly as well, right, if we're being honest. <laughs> Thanks for that, psychologist Fox. Um, yeah, uh, for sure, um, that is something that I also um, find challenging. I want everything to be perfect. I want to be perfect. And it's a very core and fundamental driver, be perfect. So how can you manage perfectionism along with it? Well, you have this inner self-critic. And did we do an episode on this? Not sure. We have done so many episodes by now, I can't remember them all, to be honest. I think we've talked about it. But basically, you've got this inner voice who talks to you um, for most people, because I understand you don't really have this. I, I don't think I have that. I don't even have an inner thought that barks at me. It's pretty quiet in there. 
It's amazing. Sometimes when I talk to you and you look at me like that, I doubt I'm the member of the human race. No, I'm. I was envi- being envious. It was meta. That is super meta to be envious during the envy episode. Well done. So if you are more like me than like Box, then you have this inner self-critic, and the more um, perfectionism and imposter syndrome that you have the more likely your inner self-critique is probably quite unpleasant, telling you're a terrible human being, telling you no one's ever going to tie with you again because you can't point your toe in the right way, whatever it is. So one way to overcome that is to talk to yourself as if you were a best friend because rarely are we as unpleasant to other people as we are to ourselves. So that's one way to kind of rewrite that inner narrative and you can actually write it down. Um, as well as playing with what's in your head. Okay. And then you can also work your way to a deliberate mistake. So for a lot of people, that might be posting uh, a more messy rope photo. So showing the parts of not managing your image quite as strongly um, so that you're not showing this perfect side and realizing that actually nobody cares if you post a messy rope photo. It's not a big deal. So are you then forcing yourself to be vulnerable or...? Yeah, you're you're making a small, because obviously there's mistakes and mistakes, but a small deliberate mistake and realizing that maybe the consequences of that are not quite what you think they are. Okay, so then in that case, Maya, I challenge you to make an intentional spelling mistake in the write-up of this episode. Or you should see her face right now. (laughs) I mean, this isn't therapy for Maya. It could be. I think the listeners would find that super entertaining. They'll love it when I torture you on the air. Yeah, okay. So another um, option that you can play with is to write yourself a rope CV. Uh, What's that? This is about describing in more factual time terms what you can do in rope, what you want to do, and really writing out your accomplishments so you have a much clearer picture of where your own strengths and weaknesses are. Like a resume. Yeah, yeah, CV is um, the same as it was made, exactly. So that's British English versus American English. Um, so, yeah, writing out your accomplishments as if it was a rope CV. Okay, well, what do I do? What can I do? And that gives you a more realistic picture to manage that imposter syndrome. And you can pair it with envy to think about where do I want to work on myself? What's realistic? How am I going to do that? You know, you can make it quite practical. Okay, that sounds very actionable. For me, I really um, have felt this on our rope journey a lot um, and also on the podcast. So for me, and I think we've talked about this before, when we do a topic, I want to research loads. I want to have experience. I want to make sure that we present ourselves as people on a rope journey who are going along with our listeners. We, we try or I try never to present myself as an expert, but more as Um, okay, this is my rope journey that I'm sharing with the people. Um, otherwise, it really triggers my imposter syndrome if, if we're, pre- not that I think we do, but if we were to pretend to be experts in something, um, I would feel super uncomfortable. Whereas I tend to just sit down in front of a microphone and have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what about when we take pictures and we sometimes share pictures of a rope on FetLife, for instance? So I can feel a bit uncomfortable, but mostly because the pictures we do are very real and I am actually physically in them doing the position, I feel less uncomfortable. And I've done nearly 500 suspensions, two or three times as many floor rope scenes. 
we have done hundreds of hours of learning, attending courses, reading books. And so I do feel like in rope I have a small bit of experience to draw on. Because at, at some point you have to face both that data and the large number of people giving you feedback, right? Because if one person tells you you're awesome and you think you're shit, that's one against one. Okay, could go either way. But if 200 people have told you this year that you're awesome and you're just one person thinking you're not, then there's a very big likelihood that 200 people are right and you're wrong, isn't it? But that's not how imposter syndrome sees it. It's just more stressful. The more people that tell you that you're great if you think you're terrible, the more pressure there is to that people are going to find out because all these people are looking at you. That is so fascinating. Yeah. So anyway, um, I guess the... Other thing I would say, which goes back to comparing outsides and insides, is people's online presence is really heavily curated. Hashtag I woke up like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people often delete early, um, kind of messy, let's say, woke photos. Uh, for me, I think that that's uh, a mistake. I think it's much better, particularly if you have imposter syndrome um, or perfectionism, it's much better to show your real rope journey. And so I don't remove photos from my fat life, for example, even the early ones where, you know, they're not, I'm not maybe doing very much on one level. Um, but showing my journey for other rope bottoms, I think is an important um, thing to do for them and also for me. Okay, that's super interesting because obviously you're much more of an inspiration to people less experienced than you if you can show them that you were like them at one point in the past. Yeah, although the idea of inspiring people like gives me great anxiety as well. Sounds like fun. Yeah, so that's, I think what we're saying is both of us have some jealousy and envy and we're blurring the lines between those uh, concepts a bit. Um, but... Imposter syndrome, interestingly, is something I feel a lot more than you. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if listeners ever feel it. Obviously, your dapidum brought it up for us. So that's um, something uh, he was interested in. Yeah, and he didn't really mention how he felt about it himself. So if he or any other listener wants to come in and comment and share their personal relationship with those concepts, that would be super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've managed to share our ideas about it. The difference is... Envy is wanting what others have. Again, we have a lot of blur over our definition. We can agree on that part. Okay. Whereas imposter syndrome is worrying. You're not as good as other people think you are and you're going to be found out. Well, thank you, Maya, for your vulnerability today because you shared a lot of very personal things and I'm sure all our dear listeners uh, appreciate that. Thank you very much also to your Dapper Dom who sent the listener's question today. And dear listeners, if you have any question about rope you would like us to cover in a future episode, please send it to us on either Instagram or FetLife. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs>